What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle cup! Hey, behave! All right. The, uh, the lottery is going on as we start this podcast, John. I think it's all chalk so far, but I'm not super locked in. The Knicks just now. Someone got booted out of the top four, guy. Well, could it could it be the Warriors at five? Kind of feels like the Warriors at five right now. Let's see. The Hawks just got six. The Warriors and the Cavs both have, and and Minnesota have the best shot at the first pick. What does that mean? Top left Hornets, Bulls up there. Top four picks. Cleveland got five. So the Warriors are in the top four, right? Yeah, obviously yep. we have seen them. <laughs> so wh- why were the Hornets and the Bulls up there in the top left? Did you? Get As that? always, this happens way too quickly when the lottery starts. Um, I know that the you said the Hornets had a six percent chance, so they were not so among the ju- five best odds. So they jumped. So they jumped. Did you see uh, Atlanta was the one that fell out? Atlanta had a twelve and a half percent chance of a top five or of the number one pick. Sorry, so Atlanta fell out. And uh, they already took it off the screen. There's Steph with his cornrows. Looks good. He said, "It's when you're skinny, you just can pull off any look." So the the, the Warriors are a locked top four pick right now. Yes, it they are. Is the Bulls? Who was the other team that was in the top corner? Charlotte. Okay, so the Bulls, MJ, Warriors. Who else is really shitty? Oh, the T Wolves. T Wolves and the Cavs. You know what? I love the lottery. We're recording this live to start the lottery. They're a commercial break. Lot to start this on. podcast. I love the lottery. I think it's phenomenal. I have one problem with the lottery, which is once they start it, it goes way too fast. I would, I would just take a breath between each one. I feel like that one, maybe it's, because, maybe it's because the other game ran a little long and the Laker game is tipping off. Maybe they're six. trying to catch up. I felt like that. 14 through 5 was the fastest 14 through 5 ever. It doesn't usually go. That was crazy, guy. Every time I'd peek up, they had a new that was nuts. It was so fast. I want I want fa- them to cut to like a fan base. I'm like, "Oh, like the Knicks again, John." So the Knicks <laughs> had a better chance of the first pick than Chicago or Charlotte. 
9%. Chicago and Charlotte had 7.5 and 6, respectively. Didn't get it. So, you know, who, the point is whoever gets the first pick will be able to trade it to the Knicks because they, they're going to want LaMelo Ball really bad. The problem Michael is I don't Jordan, know what the Knicks have to give. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that was crazy. That, that was rapid fire. Right now, I'd say my confidence level, Warriors number one. I'm not that confident. It just almost feels too good to be true. They also don't really feel like the fourth team. Can you jump, though, from like the 6% to then, I guess you don't have to be one, right? Because uh, the Memphis Grizzlies ended up at two. Like, you don't necessarily, just because you get the top four doesn't mean you necessarily have to be one. Correct? Uh, yeah, what like do you mean? Like, the, like the oh, Bulls right. don't have to be one or two. No, they they're could just be in four. the top four, yeah. They've just jumped. So part they've of it, jumped. it used to be, oh, so it used to be the top three. Then they've changed the rules, anti-tanking, top four. Right. Warriors, worst odds, but because anti-tanking, and let's face it, they tanked. Instead of being top three only, they now top five, which, say what you want, is kind of a big... There's a big difference between knowing the worst you could fall is three and the worst you could fall is five. That's, Absolutely. It's multiple players. Yeah. Because last year, remember, was a two-player draft. Everybody knew it going in. New Orleans and Memphis each had a 6% chance of the number one pick, and they, they went one and two. Yeah. Th- that's where I'm saying, like, so those teams are not guaranteed to be one and two. No. Not necessarily. They're no. just guaranteed to be in the top four, then... Do they necessarily re... One thing I've always been confused on this, you don't redo the odds with that group. That it was just picked to begin with. Right, right. They just happened to get picked out of their slot. That's right, yep. This is fucking pretty entertaining, By the way, actually. The it, more I uh, isn't the lottery one... I, it's one of the great all-time things in all of sports is the lottery. And that's why I say the show's usually an hour. This year it's 30. So 30 means you really cut down the lottery portion. They do not milk this thing enough. I said the NFL doesn't need this. It would add some drama, right? Yeah, it'd be wrong, but it would add incredible. It'd be fantastic. But is it wrong? We don't say that with the NBA. We love it. Why? What's the difference? Yeah, I, I don't know. It feels I guess like the, the, the main difference is that there's legitimate tanking in the NBA. Nobody there's tanks, not really. Really, in, no. In the NFL. I mean, even yeah. last year we thought the Dolphins and the Jags, and they, they struggled. To t- well, the Dol- Jags just were bad, but Dolphins well, the Dolphins ended up games. five, right? Right. <laughs> they and they, but we thought going into the year they were going to tank. The Warriors legitimately actively tried to lose. Like they, they won't even lie about that, right? Yeah, like the, they war, actively the Warriors. Tried to lose. The, the Warriors. Once they had the injury, were set up. They, it was just like, well, it was almost too easy to tank, right? Malpractice yeah. not to. They were so bad. Very, very true. See, I think they had to speed it up, guy. I think you might be right. Because I just, of the game, they are not. This is one of the great events in sports. Like entire futures are a flip of a coin. It's a lottery. And in fa- in fairness to the they league. Don't milk it. In fairness to the league, typically when the lottery happens, the playoffs are normal times, right? This is they, they're doing like seven games a day. Steph, I mean, which how about is awesome. Steph and D'Angelo Russell on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> who's the Who's the skinny white guy wearing a Bulls polo? New head of the Bulls operation. Do you have Bulls any got clue? Four. The, so the Warriors are top three. I like this setup. Is this the Warriors? You think? No. Oh. <laughs> This is already a win for the Warriors, right? Second pick goes to Golden State Warriors. That's still pretty good. I I didn't have a great feeling they were going to be top three. Two's. So you're still you think they should still be happy with that? Yeah, I think D'Angelo. I that was kind of crazy. If you had told me if you were the Warriors, right, and you had said. 
yesterday. You're going to get the second pick. Do you want to take the second pick or do you want to yeah, roll one, the dice? One, 100%. You, you take, take second it. pick. Yeah. I think you take Because last year you saw with the Knicks, you just saw with the other – I mean, the Knicks again this year, you just take it. You can't the, – the odds aren't great. Right? You were telling me, like, you go uh, flip a coin, right? 50-50 odds. They, they were not even – what were the Warriors? 14%, 14 number one 14, pick. And it used to be 25%. Right. So it used to be a quarter – and it basically almost got cut in half. You, I think you would, if you said Joe Lacob, number two, or roll the dice, you would have been insane to not take it. Because what's the difference, right? There's a big difference between two just and five. Just online, just Twitter of, narrative, just how much, you know, you can tweak Having people. the one pick school. But, I, but I, did you notice, were you watching at the very beginning of this broadcast, the number one, like they started the show with, are the Golden State Warriors going to end up with a top pick? Like, here's a franchise that's not rebuilding. Are they going to get the top pick? Like, that is the biggest story in this whole thing. So them getting the second overall pick, I think, is the biggest story in this whole thing. Well, I do think that you probably understand who, at least have a better idea who the Timberwolves are going to take, number one overall. Like, they're more likely to take a wing guy, right? They already have their big. So you would say James Wiseman probably not going number one overall, right? If they keep the pick. Right. I guess they could trade it, but would they trade it? Who you might, knows? Well, I mean, I know people think that this draft could see a lot of trades. Um, could see a lot of trades, but you know, I don't know. I I, I don't know how many buyers they're going to be, other than a team or two that has a specific need. I think the NFL does a mutt. You're right. You don't have like my heart wasn't beating fast enough because they're going so fast. You don't have enough. Last year they milked it because remember it was an hour long broadcast. The Knicks, it was slow. It was like a slow burn, and then they opened it up, and it was the Knicks not in the top two. This one it was. Just, he just kept fucking grabbing the things and flipping them open. It was like, geez, Louise. Who's the, isn't that Silver's, uh, that's like the assistant commissioner, right? I think his last name's, I don't even know his last name, but. Uh, who are you talking about? You know, the guy that just flipped all the cards. Oh, right uh, Mark Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. And that's his name? Mark Tatum? Mark Tatum, yeah. The guy that was just flipping cards? Yeah, Mark yeah, Tatum? yeah, Mark Tatum. He's been doing it forever, right? The right. second round. Yeah. It feels like if Silver ever retired, he's just the next commissioner. It's a great part about being a, a second in command. You just work your way up. You're just, yeah, I'm next in line. Because they can't, you can't just like hire the CEO of like Goldman Sachs. You have too many bodies buried, like in a league. It's just so insulated. You're just guaranteed to get hired from within. I mean, every commissioner in recent memory, Goodell, Manfred, Silver, they ain't going on some national search, guy. <laughs> no. I mean, they want to. Well, it's all. What do we always say when somebody gets the jobs? Like, well, he knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah, <laughs> it's always what literally they, they do, and it's a lot of money on the line. Wow, that's that awesome. Quick, I mean, that's that's pretty great. Uh, real quick, philosophy: draft the player that helps you the most today if you're the Warriors, or draft just the player with the best, just the guy that could be the best player that you, the, the guy you think could become the best player. Uh, or the guy you're like, ah, oh, we can get 15 minutes from him this year, and maybe he can help us win a championship. I thought about this in the shower, actually. I swore I'd do some of my best thinking. Typically, when you draft really high, right, your team sucks. And I, I think a lot of NBA players, if they could have started just on, like, a healthy team, and when I say healthy team, just us, you don't need to be some dynasty, just a successful team that's going to win some games, like 45-plus games would probably have a chance to succeed, right? It's why a lot of guys that get drafted by the Spurs just become good NBA players. Like, they just... People often say, like, the Spurs were always hitting on, like, 17. 
they're not like finding there's only they only found one Kawhi, but they found a lot of guys that just play why because you get there high level you know organization people play same thing with the Patriots unlike the Timberwolves like more than likely whoever they draft is going to fail now he might put up stats or whatever but they're going to lose and they're going to suck and he's going to be miserable whoever gets drafted by the Warriors think of like Tatum and Jalen Brown that just went to Boston and they just flourish and Jalen Brown, more than Tatum, I mean, Tatum went to Duke. Jalen Brown was pretty big question mark coming out of Cal. I mean, really talented, big recruit or whatever. He has turned into guy like, I wouldn't call him like a superstar, but he's a damn good player. Like, he's the clear number two on a team. The pick that, was a hit. Uh, 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 like a stand-up triple? If, if Tatum's just a home whatever. run. It's he's, just a hit. It's yeah. a, well, you nailed it. You nailed the pick. I think, I think you just take whoever you like the most. And you go, he will excel here. Yeah. When you I factor agree. in I, fit and talent. How I, how's a guy gonna fail around Stephen Clay guy? Yeah, I think you take the guy that you think is the best player. Period. Not the guy that helps you most immediately, even if his fl- to me, you're you start trying to play that game where it's like, well, he helps us the earliest, he might not have the biggest upside. It's like trying to take a 70% golf swing where you're always just like, you know, I should just pick the right club and take a full swing. Just take the guy that you think can be the best player. Don't try to finesse it too much, and you'll fit him in. What if the pushback is this? Because I was also thinking that you go, okay, we think Wiseman's the best player, but look at the league. It's gotten much smaller, yeah. right? And then you'd go recent memory. They don't totally parallel each other, but the Bagley situation. Who they took a guy that was but freaky I, talented. I would probably argue Aiton was the guy that, you know, he was the big man. He was the first big man that went in that draft. Yeah, but he's a true center. I think Bagley's probably, or I mean, uh, wise man, at least just YouTube scouting. Feels like a little more of a run and gun. Like, I mean, kind of like more I mean, boshy. He's, yeah, he's like 7-1 with a 7-6 wingspan. Uh, he's okay, that, that, that's fair. Now, he's but only played 60 is, minutes of basketball. so The league's can, just gotten smaller. Like, is yeah, there a I fit issue? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a fair question. I just, like I would, just, I'm just saying, whoever you guys think is the best player, I would take that guy. Easy to I, talk I, in philosophy I, and not in specifics, but I think you also part of, and this is why in the NFL having draft picks is so important, right? Because you get guys on cost-controlled assets, like they do need to get a guy that you go, you know what, this guy has the chance to be an all-star in a couple years. Yeah. Like part of why the Celtics have been such a great sort, they have these guys on cheap contracts that are making all-star games. Like the Warriors have. Four guys that account for last time I checked a lot of money. You eventually like who's the next door to trade for? I I would try to like have the next wave of guys coming up that are cheap, and you have the Timberwolves. Like you know the best part about knowing the Timberwolves got the number one overall pick that it's going to get gonna wasted. Any, well, how are they going to be any good, guy? Yeah, they're not coming for what? the Warriors crown. Yeah, I mean they got actually their pick. weren't the Timberwolves coming for the Warriors crown like three years ago? Didn't didn't we decide? Didn't everyone think that was going to happen? Owen oh, Wiggins, Towns, and uh, when what's-his-name showed up, Thibs? Yeah. That didn't go out, uh, happen that well, though, for them, huh? No. All right. This part's fun. Yeah, that was uh, – it had to be the game, guy, because immediately at 6, they went you to – got to get to LeBron, John. I don't care what your <laughs> draft lottery is. LeBron is coming up on TV. Even though we slide t- tip-offs to 745 all the time. Is there another game after this one? No, this is the last one of the night. So, I mean, just chill out for a second, everybody. I they, their first game you. this morning oh. was at 10 a.m. What a jet that was. The more I think about this, what a complete waste of drama. You could have, now, in fairness, 
they're not in L.A. They're this nine o'clock. Like I would imagine, if you're LeBron, you've been sitting around all day. Well, I understand. You don't I'm, give a shit about the lottery. But 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 look, the game. It's not like the game's starting. We're six oh three now. The game hasn't started yet. Well, don't you think the tip off six oh seven or whatever? Yeah, I'm just saying. Like maybe we can skip Van Gundy's on cam, and we do a little more. We just build up a little. Get some Hans Zimmer music. Just let this thing cook a little bit. What do you think about the plexiglass? God, between, we just uh, we got a meal that should be cooked in like an oven, and they just put it in a microwave. You just hit the ground running, guy. The you plexiglass the kills me, John, because they all stand when they do the open in a way where the plexiglass doesn't even protect them. The dividers? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the dividers. Yeah. Like, you'd like as if these guys don't eat lunch together. It's wild. But they are, I will say this, broadcasters do a lot of spewing, a lot of spittling. Why, I, my last take on the NBA hmm. is, was it today? Oh, no, it was last night. So the Clipper Maverick game. They're all in a bubble, all tested, and clearly playing. Pat And Russell Westbrook, too. And it must be a league mandate. Why are they wearing a mask on the side? Like, they're on the team. They've literally played. They get tested all the time. Like, they're, they're, they're going to come back and play more without the mask. Yet, And I think, I mean, the logical explanation is if you're not playing, and I think the more and more you see of guys not dressed out, they probably just mandate a mask. Yeah, just what, it why does, odds that you, something you, happens are low, but why even? Just put on a mask you agree, on. You agree it doesn't make that much sense. To me, the Once sense that it the makes bubble. is it's like, okay, it doesn't hurt you at all. So just on the 0.01% chance something weird happens, let's cover it. Like, we'd hate to have it happen. Some guy in jeans, you know, somehow spread something where we could have just told the guy to put a mask on. True. But he's around the team every day and probably practicing. Yeah, and gets, I know. So, I mean, it'll just. It's one, it, to me, it's I, one of those where it's just, it hurts nothing to, to, to be overly cautious. Yeah, even though you're already playing and sweating it all together anyway, though. Well, yeah, like but Patrick, just, to me, it's like, just an easy For like, example, what, what were we going to say? Like, oh, no, no, I don't want these guys to have to suffer through a mask. No, I, I get that. To me, Beverly, I guess Beverly was an example. He literally had just played the other night, and then he had woke up with a weird knee, and I guess he's going to play in game three. Like, he's, he's playing. I, I get the guys that aren't playing, just you're not playing no matter what. Beverly was just, I thought, funny, because he literally had just played and sweated and touched, and obviously he jumps on everybody, you know. They might need him because they didn't look that good. No, they do need him. Uh, John, before we move on, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you by Ease.com. Promo code HAM. Ease.com. Promo code HAM. Somebody uh, DM'd us today and said they showed us they were all over the promo code because that gets, them, gets you 20 bucks off. And then there's also a little extra something for all you return users. Yep. Promo code HAM in the number 10 gets you a 10% discount. 10% discount. HAM. One zero ten percent off ease.com. I actually I might have before the lottery taken a little unwind gummy. Mm. My Caminos, they got uppers and they got a little relaxers too that are just fantastic and just less calories than this IPA I'm drinking. Oh, way less calories. EAZE.com promo code ham. Now, the one thing is when you do take the edibles, all you want is calories. And if you're not paying attention, sometimes you'll just get in your car and you'll go to 7-Eleven and you'll make $20 worth of stuff. And you'll be very, very happy. But Ease.com, promo code HAM, uh, all over California, from Northern California all the way to Southern California, the Valley, the Central Coast, you name it, they're there. Ease.com, E-A-Z-E.com, promo code HAM. And like you said, 10%, a little new addition. We got a new, we got a new pitch for you, guy. 10% off Ease or HAM10 
at ease.com. It's really easy, right? When you're checking out, it says promo code. You like can't miss it. You know, sometimes we've done promos before where it's like, where do you put the promo code? Mm-hmm. This one is just, it, it strikes you right in the face. You, you cannot miss it. Yeah. EAZE.com, promo code HAM. Or promo code HAM10 if you're a return user. And one last thing, as we always say when it comes to this middle cough, tell your friends. Yeah. And your parents and your family and everyone you text with. In the words, to quote uh, the great rapper Ludacris, word of mouth. Um, Also, podcast brought to you by DraftKings. I thought you were going to say move, bitch. Get out the way. Well, that's I'm in 81st place in DraftKings, so I need a lot of people to move out of my way. Uh, I'm getting my ass kicked right now, John. This team was expertly crafted and put together. They are not performing. They are letting me down. 81st place. Where are you right now? I think I'm like a top 20. You're 26th, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm right in the mix. On the strength of Charlie Hoffman out- and Matthew Wolf. I could easily be out of the mix if Bryson DeChambeau doesn't pick up a shit and Tony Finau doesn't start making some birdies, guy. I'm not. I'm not happy with my two stars. I'm, I'm not happy at all. Uh, DraftKings, when you sign up, to promo code Ham gets you a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes that are up for grabs this week when you use that code Ham at sign up. If you're already signed up, or if you're either way, get in our league. Our league is uh, now up over. I don't know. Actually, I don't have it. Maybe 160. Um, but this will continue to grow, especially with football season. We're going to get a basketball game in soon, as we said. Basketball is draft players, stand of the cap. You know, we got basketball playoffs, and there's uh, hockey playoffs. Hockey Baseball's playoffs. going. Football's right around the corner. Uh, these golf games. But we've, I mean, people, I, I get a couple DMs every week. Like, how do I get in your game? How do I get, it sounds so fun. It's like, well, we're tweeting it out. We're linking it out on Instagram. I sent the guy a uh, the way to get into our into our actual ham league. And once you're in that league, you'll just send out invites every week. You get a little in the right corner, you get a little red dot, and you click on it, and you know you're invited to that given game. Uh, we don't. It's not that far away for a major. Obviously, I think maybe week one, you know, we do 100 people games, right, for golf. You think week one NFL, we could do a 200-person game? Just oh, yeah, I think that's it a good idea, go, yeah. Go huge. Uh I mean, if Bryson, I, I'm not happy with Bryson DeChambeau right now. Well, you and me yeah, both. You, Unfortunately, we both have him. You're gonna. He was he was pumping on his Instagram account some protein shake with a promo code. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's like Bryson. Let's just try to hit some fairways, buddy. Uh, when it comes to DraftKings, minimum five dollar deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Promo code ham. By the way, I saw you were driving home from Davis uh, Thursday morning. These fires are absolutely out of control. I would imagine. Um, some of you who are listening to this ha- are on the move, maybe have packed up a-, a bag and had to evacuate. This is, have you seen some of these? I mean, I know, I saw the Insta story you posted. The smoke is crazy here in the city. The smoke is crazy. Um, I was planning on coming back from Davis to Walnut Creek on Wednesday night, and I-80 had closed down probably for five or six hours because the fire and driving by it this morning, you know the hills on 80 when you're kind of going through Vacaville once you kind of pass the nut tree area. For those of you that live you in New York, going, just trust us. It's nearby. <laughs> yeah. You know, beautiful rolling hills. It had jumped, guy, from like the Fairfield Hills over the freeway to the other side. And I and you could tell. I mean, the, it's just in – it's all black. I mean, it just got burned. It, I can't even imagine what the visual was like at, you know, whatever time it actually happened yesterday. I think like two or three. I got a phone call. I was with my brother. His wife calls, just like tell John I-80 closed. 
I wasn't leaving for four or five hours, but I just kind of assumed like that just might be a whole night thing, which that's a pretty important freeway because it heads toward the Bay Area, right? It heads I, toward SAC. I read somewhere somebody said there's never been this many simultaneous fires this large in the state. Do you remember some of the visuals last year uh, in Los Angeles and Malibu? I do. There were some visuals I saw on Twitter yesterday in Vacaville and Fairfield that looked kind of similar. And I, I was playing golf yesterday with my brother, and we ran into actually this guy named Mark Kenner, who used to be a baseball coach. He businessman, oh, yeah. and yeah, he was, uh, he was showing me this picture of a friend of his that just built a house in Vacaville, and they had evacuated his whole street. He had just built the house. His wife had left. He got all his kids left. But I like, and it was not a cheap house. Like he, like was just kind of gonna go. Remember in L.A. when everyone was, you know, just basically taking their hoses out, and was like gonna be there till the last uh, John, minute. I, now, he I, hoped it would turn, but do you know if it did? Uh, I, by the time I saw him, like an hour later, he said he thought it was gonna be okay. Don McClendon, but there were, but it was, it would have had to burn down a bunch of houses to get to his houses. But it just some of the pictures guy looked like a war zone. Well, I remember last year Don McClain, who I do some Pac-12 games with, and does like a bunch of. TV stuff for the Clippers, NBA guy. UCLA basketball yeah. player. Pac-12's all-time leading scorer, UCLA. Um, his house, it was, was one of those deals where he's, like, in his house. There's, like, a field behind, and basically the fire is, like, right there across the street, and the firefighters are just hanging out in case it jumps. But they basically were telling him, like, yeah, we, we're going to wet everything down, but if it jumps, there's you know, we don't know how much we'll be able to do. Um, so he was... Luckily, his house was okay, but for a lot of people, look at some of these pictures. Like you said, it looks like a bomb went off. Well, you know, an not to mention part the of smoke for people who have you know asthma and breathing issues. And about the underrated part about Napa, Fairfield, Vacaville, and just any area in Northern California that gets really hot is that sometimes in some of those areas, I played golf, just went out to mess around on like Monday or Tuesday, and in Napa, and it was 108 degrees. So I'm like, I could just go out at like four, and you can play kind of cheap, like Chardonnay, get in nine, and you just think it's going to be really hot and no one's going to be there. The underrated part always is the wind pumps there. Yeah, It's like a wind tunnel because you think in your mind, well, it's going to be 105. It can't be windy when it's 105. That is just not true, and you just feel it. You know, Vacaville, Fairfield, and it's just there's no way to stop these fires when the wind is pumping. It's like these fires are moving at like, uh, you know – at like pretty high speeds, John. I had to vacuum. They jumped the freeway, guy. I had to vacuum my in the house. Now I'm in San Francisco, where the air quality actually is better than it is most places. I you got the wind right there with the ocean. I had to vacuum uh, like the coffee table because there's a window open by it. The, the TV and the covered in ash. Yeah, my car this morning when I went out to leave my mom's was just. I have a. It's black, but it was really like it looked like. Salt and pepper, like a hair, mm-hmm. you know? Well, guys, that's what it looked I mean, ash was everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so if you're listening and it's affecting you, stay safe. Uh, we hope everything works out for everybody, but obviously it's not. And uh, I, I can't even imagine the feeling of having to evacuate. Another, uh, another example of firefighters just being fucking heroes. So we I appreciate mean, I, that. 2020, man. Can't end it quick enough. Oh, jeez. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn. All right, John, let's start with uh, Brandon Ayuk. Take a listen to what John Lynch said to our buddy Tim Kawakami on his podcast. Brandon Ayuk has been spectacular. His level of, like, gosh, the nuance to his game, the route running ability, the skill set that we saw in film, sometimes 
it translates right away. Sometimes it takes some time. Brandon's has been really good early, and that gives him a chance. And and the greatest thing about him is that he believes that he's got a lot more left in him, and he comes to work each day. And I mentioned Chris Kosarek. He's got the great fortune of playing for a guy who, who did it at the highest level in Wes Welker, who's a who's a technician. And I think Wes and him are really have hit it off. And, and Brandon's an easy guy to coach because he just he wants to be coached so bad. And he takes it to the field. And when you teach him something, he files it away. And he does have a tremendous skill set. He was nothing but encouraging about Brandon Ayuk. You and I have talked about this a lot from your time in the NFL, that a player would get drafted, that first day a rookie minicamp, OTAs would, would arrive, and everybody from the organization would want to get a glimpse of the guy just to have this first kind of gut reaction. Do we like him or do we make a mistake? And it, John Lynch called the man spectacular, said his nuance and route running was very impressive. Needless to say, the Niners are loving Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, we, we, we call it, you don't want the Danny Watkins. Where you know right away you're in major trouble. That was the Eagles' offensive lineman, yeah. And, and I do think with wide receivers, it can be difficult, right? You got a lot moving on. It's a timing position. You have to learn a new playbook. This is a guy that, as someone told me yesterday, is like he was in Rockland two and a half years ago, right? Like he was in JC Ball. Like this is pretty quick. If you would have asked him when he was at Rockland, you're going to be a first-round pick and start the starting wide receiver for Kyle Shanahan in two years in training camp, probably would have been like, what? I mean, that, that would have been a pretty bold jump. And, yeah, I mean, it, this was Kyle Shanahan's baby in the sense of it was clearly right there with CeeDee Lamb, like the top-rated guy on his board. And I think anyone that watched Brandon Ayuk liked him. But the one thing we know about this pick, like, we know what Kyle Shanahan, we've talked a lot about this, what he likes in wide receivers looking back. We like Henry Ruggs. We like Jerry Judy. It's clear what he likes, physical guys, guys that block and guys that break tackles. It's why he liked Debo. It's why he loves CeeDee Lamb. And it's why he liked this guy. Like, if you would have told me and you before the draft, and you saw a lot of, I mean, hell, you were you knew who Brandon Ayuk was when he was a sophomore, right? Before he kind of came on the scene when he was Nikhil's you know, right-hand guy. And he didn't get that much pub. He obviously was much more productive that that the 49ers, just going into the draft process, their number two wide receiver on their board was Brandon Ayuk. I wouldn't have believed you. And now I think after hearing everything, it makes complete sense. Yeah. And then when you double down, that it's encouraging to see that. And I, I, heard, I was picking up lunch the other day, and clearly Greg Papa's got a little practice access. He said, God, he looked pretty good. You know, and then he went into like three by threes and uh, option routes, and you know, it's like Greg, we get it, you, you know, football. Uh, but he said he was he was really good at the practice he was at on Sunday. Well, I think there's two things about him that are are that that make him really interesting, right? Well, there's a lot of things, but in particular, one you hit on, which is they didn't have the last pick of the receivers and then just took the guy, right? They had they could have taken a lot of other guys too. Hell, they could have used, let's not forget, I mean, they took Ayuk at 25, but they had the 14th pick, right? I mean, they could have had any of them. It's not that they took Brandon Ayuk ahead of T. Higgins and Michael Putman Jr. If they loved Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb enough that they didn't think the value was there for receiver 25, they could have done it at 14 where they took Javon Kinlaw. Now, part of this is the balance of, well, we can kind of do a two-for-one. Fine. But I have a hard time believing they would have taken... 
Brandon Ayuk at 25, if it was just one of those, we need a receiver, let's just take the best guy available. They had him targeted. And when you tell us that you had a guy targeted, when you tell us you love a guy, when all the evidence says you really wanted this individual player, then we almost judge you a little harsher on his performance, right? Because it wasn't some guy that fell into your lap, and we all would, yeah, you had to take a guy. This was the guy that you wanted. And so, you know, I think for them, there's a little more pressure that way on, on him because Kyle's made it clear, this is exactly who I wanted. Number two, we've had a couple wide receiver injuries too. So Brandon Ayuk being good and Brandon Ayuk being good week one are two different things, right? Because we know the I first agree. four weeks of the season, especially with Debo Samuel out, depending on how long, they're really going to need this guy. Do you know a guy I forgot about and listened to Lynch talk was Richie James broke his broke his wrist this offseason. That's right, yeah. And, you know, he didn't play a huge role on offense. He's more of a special teamer. But he did play sparingly on off. Like, he was a wide receiver who dressed on game day. So he's got a broken wrist. You got Debo with a broken foot. And you're really dependent on this individual. And just from a talent standpoint, like, Ayuk's a different animal than Trent Taylor, right? Ayuk is just a more talented player in theory than Kendrick Bourne. Now, Kendrick Bourne might be better today, right? He just played NFL games. He won't be nervous in the sense of, like, it's human nature to be nervous before a game. But, like... He's played in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, he's, he knows just, what is expect. He knows how to perform in this offense specifically. Yeah, but I think when they just go, "Who's your most talented guy?" with Debo on the sideline, you go Brandon Ayuk, which to me is like there, there's tangible pressure on him from that standpoint. He's talented to put it like they're just going to need him early on. One and two, I I do think he won't be compared to Judy, C.D. Lamb. I'd say right and uh, and Rugs in the sense that ultimately. Kinlaw is going to be compared to like, well, can he take Buckner's spot? That He's kind of filled that role. Right. Where I do think Ayuk will be compared, and we were talking about Jalen Hurd, kind of his little sweet spot where he was drafted, is that, well, you did you could have taken T. Higgins, and you could have taken Porter Jr., who were the next couple guys taken. Pitt- who, You're thinking or, NBA. Yeah, Pittman Jr. I'm thinking Michael Porter Jr. So Pittman and T. Higgins, who are – long, big, they kind of would have been, in theory, a compliment to Debo. It wouldn't have been that weird if they would have taken one of those guys, right? Isn't Pittman, what's he, 6'4", big body guy? You and I made a video on him. He's a big, like, contested catch. Yep. I mean, he's a motherfucker. I mean, uh, Frank Wright compared him to Vincent Jackson. I push back on that comp a little bit because Vincent Jackson, people forget, like ran like a 4-4 at 6'4". It's what made him such a freak. You know, Pittman, you and I... When we were really watching him, it was like, you know, he's probably like high four five guy, but you can run four five if you're six four, right? Keenan Allen, part of what makes Keenan Allen tackles. special, yeah, is Keenan Allen such a great route runner and he's a physical player. Is that just T. Higgins is just in and Pittman to me, that's just those are the guys that we'll talk about when it comes to uh Ayuk in the comps. And I think those guys, especially Pittman, is he's gonna play on a team that looks like it's gonna be good. Ayuk's playing on a team that's going to be good. That I think we're just going to keep those guys in the vernacular, which I, I like. That's what makes yeah. this shit fun. Like when what got Vladi fired? You chose Bagley over Luca. Like that's the you carry that right. That's just you could have had this guy, which is what makes drafts just so special. Is when you have the opportunity to take a player who did you choose not to take right? And everyone has misses. The question is, are you good enough to overcome your misses? Are you good enough to say, I know we needed a quarterback and we didn't take Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, but I took us to the Super Bowl two years later. Everybody chill out, right? 
and then yeah, it's, I, it's and some, then we drafted Nick Bosa, and then yeah, we, and, so, and some and sometimes it's just you carry it's between two players, and usually that's higher in the draft, right? When it was Bosa or Quinn and Williams, like they got the right guy. Remember Reggie McKenzie? It was like, is he going to take a Mari Cooper or Leonard Williams? And then after the draft, it came out like, listen, it was a really hard decision. We love Leonard Williams. We kind of had the shoulder red flagged. And just big picture, even today, I think Reggie works for the Dolphins. Reggie was right on that one, right? Like, he chose the right... Um, you would Every team in the league would rather have Amari Cooper than Leonard Williams. It's a little more complicated, I'd say, with wide receivers, right? Once you get past the... If there's a clear one guy in a draft, because you get to clumps in the late first round Always or in the third round. Feels like, like. You, you, Yeah, it's like, do you want T.Y. Hilton or three other guys? And at the time... It's crazy when we look back, right? Let's say Brandon Ayuk becomes a Hall of Famer and T. Higgins is out of the league in four years and Pittman is just an okay player. It'll be like, God, they nailed that one. What if it's the opposite, right? Ayuk's just okay and Pittman is just a seven-time pro bowler. <laughs> what if LaVisca be, Chenault's better than all of them? Some, it'd be like, well, LaVisca, you guys are Pac-12, like you, you're right in their backyard. You saw this guy. It was like his comp was like Sammy Watkins. What were you guys doing? But at the time in the draft room, you don't know any of this shit. You just know on tape. And and I do think it's fair to say when they took Ayuk, Pittman had how many years of playing at a really high level at SC, right? Several. Right. T. Higgins, I don't watch every Clemson game, but I've been hearing T. Higgins' name and just – College Since he was a true for a couple years, I mean, yeah. So it's this was is swing for the fences too bold of a pick, or I mean too bold of a statement. Like this was a very very bold move, though I'd say. Yeah, I mean based on a long just track ba- record, just of based production, on his track record. Yeah, right? I, I think the other elements, the Niners. If John Lynch was here, he'd say, "Well, understand. I know Herm Edwards really well. We felt like we had a really good handle on the guy, right? That was part of the other thing he told Kawakami is it's not just that he's really prepared, he's really good, but he also works his ass off. Anything you tell him, he's going to come back to the field and execute. So part of that was, you know, I feel does feel like that was part of the reason. Maybe that's not why Kyle liked him, but it might be part of the reason why it was so easy for other people to jump on board is once they kind of found out who they were drafting, that he fit the MO of what they want their guys to be. Well, from everything I know, I don't know much about T. Higgins. Pittman is all the character stuff. Yeah, right? he is. Yeah. When you when you when you look at the team that I'd say the the Colts, just like Kyle Shanahan, you'd say they look at similar type players. Right. In terms of what they like mentally, physically, work ethic. Like they are really into that shit. Every time you see Chris Ballard talk, whenever he comes up on he's just like doing an interview with Pat McAfee, it's like, God, this guy's a badass. No wonder people like this guy. I I, I just feel though. It's just always risky when you have, and, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, come the spring if these co- these couple conferences don't play and who knows how many games we get out of the other conferences. Limited track record on the field, you, you just don't know. Like Part of what's easy about C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or Ruggs is like, yeah, we got like a three years of tape of these guys kicking the shit out of everyone. Mm-hmm. right? It's just then it comes, wh- does he fit our offense? What's the person like? But the, the track record speaks for well, itself. Well, but is the... Is- Doing it in the Big 12 the same as doing it in the NFL, right? Yeah, stuff like that. So there's always think, a projection, no matter how much evidence you have. Ayuk, you just go, this guy just really just had one big year. And it was sweet year. But it's just, who knows? 
You know, just there is a lot of pressure on the kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I also think if you were going to say, okay, receiver. But it doesn't, Dante Pettis had a couple years of high level success and doesn't work out. So it, it, I'm not saying it's yeah, like. But, a, I, but the difference is I didn't like the Pettis pick and I liked this pick. Like I agreed with this pick. I did not agree with that pick. I agree. But Especially my, he's not going to be a returner. Is, but my pushback is that you can't just go, well, he's got three years of production at a high level for a team that went to the play. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, no. But so much of it, too, is the context. Like, okay, how was he getting that production? Why was he getting that production? What was it about? Right? On one year, you had John Ross next to him. If you were arguing the counter, you'd be like, yeah, of course Alabama guy X could get open because they also had to worry about Alabama guy Y. Yeah. Right? Of course CeeDee Lamb got – again, I'm not, I don't actually believe this, but of course CeeDee Lamb got open. They – he threw the ball all over the place. Well, I think a big question, like in that offense, Again, don't and you, believe that. But yeah, and you off you often hear it in the Oregon offense is like, well, he's wide open. He doesn't even have to. I mean, he's just catching balls wide open. What does he have to do? That was a knock on CD Lamb. Like the plays were really easy, and then they break it down of him like breaking seven tackles against right, Texas. Right. You're like, yeah, I think he'll be okay. But it's also <laughs> is he wide open just because no one can because he's getting double and he's getting away from those guys, or is he well, wide like open? one headline? One headline I saw yesterday: Could three Cowboy wide receivers hit a thousand yards? And you're like, well, I mean, not crazy, right? If if Brandon Ayuk even sniffs a thousand yards, the 49ers would be thrilled, right? Yep. yep. Would you agree? Eight to nine hundred yards of Brandon Ayuk production would be very good. Yes. Uh, answer this. So you brought up the Danny Watkins for people who aren't familiar with the time the Eagles drafted a 28 year old firefighter uh, against, against Middlecoff's advice. Um. But I, that's that's a lie. I, I watched a little bit of a Baylor, and he looked good. Do do you think? Do, what do you think the if if a draft pick is a fifty fifty proposition? What is the hit rate for once the guy's in uniform? You go out and see him in the in your team's practice. Is it now you're like seventy percent sure that he's good or bad? Yeah, I'd say. So. 60 to 70. Okay. I mean, if he really is popping, not just a flash play, like every day kicking everyone's ass, and you have but you can have a really against. good idea once you see him against your guys. Still some unknown, though, right? Like, how will he handle the pressure once the media starts coming after him and the fans? Right, right. How will he handle Getting one thing hit, with practice? Like for quarterbacks, I, I, right? saw, I, I saw Mike Sando tweet this, and he was dead on. He said, right? Because in fairness, we were talking before we recorded the pod, like, I'm like, guy, every wide receiver that was drafted in the first round, if you just go to Roto World, I've seen a headline over the week of like, could Justin Jefferson be the next version of Chris Carter meets Randy Moss for the Vikings, right? Jalen Rager. I saw the the wide receiver coach for the Eagles is like, this guy has the swag of a pro bowler. And I mean, every quote on all these guys, even Ruggs, it was like, started slow, now dominating. It's like, okay, the thing with practice after a while in football is like in basketball, your your moves are your moves. Like you're either just better or worse than me, right? In baseball, my pitches are my pitches. In football, you run different plays. Well, after a while of like a week in camp, even for a rookie, you know the you know your defense's plays, right? Like you know that they run like especially the Niners, they run like a couple coverages. I know where the wide receivers or the corners going to be. So I can start cheating. It's why that we always say, now, with first-round talents, they should just be able to, like, it's less, like, it's harder to judge them because your standards are way higher and you're more critical of them. But I think when you get, like, later-round picks, it's like, oh, my God. 
this fifth rounder is just killing it. Well, he knows the defense. It's why they really get magnified in the preseason game because you're like, well, you don't know what's coming. Right. Right? And then it's like, okay, he passed that test. How about the regular season where you really don't know but what's this coming? Is so where, there are all these tests. This is where when you play for Kyle Shanahan, you're just going to be at an advantage if you're a wide receiver. You are going to have an advantage. Whether it's yes. your advantage or his advantage, you benefit from the advantage. Well, wouldn't you say this? Like Kendrick Bourne's a good example. Of he actually looking back is like he was went to the by far a top two or three D one AA program, especially beside like North Dakota State. Yeah. You'd say Eastern Washington is cream of the crop. They've produced a bunch of NFL guys, they, and they've produced record setting offenses for multi. Yeah. produced under Bo Baldwin. And then their wide receivers are translating to the league, right? Cooper Cup's like a legit stud, but he's going to probably have a decent year this year, and the Niners are not going to be able to pay him. Right, even if it's just someone gives him three or four million dollars when he becomes a free agent, I think it's fair to say, and I'm I, I like Kendrick Bourne. I'm actually been really impressed with him the more I watched him. Probably won't ever be as good as he will be with the 49ers. Like the pressure of like the Dolphins well, sign him or whatever. Now he just might but, be. But a good it's player. also I'm one of those where you're like Emmanuel Sanders, 49er. Oh, but he goes to the Saints. He'll be just as good. But he's already good. No, I understand. But I'm just saying, does somebody who. Uh, Oh, you're saying that I'm type saying, team like him. I'm just saying guys tend to go to other teams who it was easy for them to inv- who are do the same thing that guy did in his previous team because it's just easy to be like, oh, he did that for Kyle. He'll come do that here for us with the Packers. Matt LaFleur loves Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Something like that. So you could argue teams like the, pa- the teams that run their scheme would be more interested in Kendrick Bourne. Now if he ends but up in the Bengals – yeah, but there might just there are going to be teams that just kind of you know, who day we we apologize we'll get into that later. Just just keep an eye on that situation. I'm yeah. just big picture. We'll just keep tabs on. Hey John, let's tell the people about Burrow. Burrow. That's b u r r o w. Burrow dot com slash hammer. You get seventy five bucks off your first purchase. Whether it's their new couches, their modular shelves, rugs, oh. coffee tables, love seats, armchairs, ottoman. They've got it all at burrow.com slash ham. Guy, it's practical and versatile. They offer unique features that you won't find in big box furniture, store sofas, or even other sofas you can get online. Built-in USB chargers. The other night, guy, I'm at my mom's on her Lazy Boy, mm. and she doesn't have a plug anywhere near. I'm like, Mom, my phone's on 2%. Do you have a portable charger? She's like, no. I only got the short string USB, so I got to go over there, charge my phone, Basketball games going on. People are texting me. I'm trying to keep engaged. Can't tweet. It sucks. It's a game changer. USB chargers. It's 2020, guy. 2020. Pick your fabric color, leg finish, arm style, and length. Over 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. Burrow's not messing around. No. No. And it is so easy at a time when you don't want to go to a department store. You don't. Have you seen some of the lines that I'm not even going to say? Oh. I can't. Like, oh. What are you people doing? I know. But the problem is, how do you get it? You need a couch. What do you do? You order it. You get two people got to bang their way through your front door with this big old thing. Not Burrow. It gets mailed to you in individual boxes. You pull them out of the boxes because they're not they're just a one piece. You just latch the whole thing together. It's sturdy, high quality, uh, scratch and stain resistant fabrics. But it's incredible how easy it is to put it together and then... Move it, and then you get a bigger space later. You can add pieces to it. You don't have to get a whole new couch. Trust me, you have to see it. 
So just go to the website and watch the examples of what these things look like. And they're they're really cool. That's the other part, just the style. But go to burrow.com slash ham, and you will see something you've never seen before in their customizable sofas. You get 75% off your Burrow purchase. 75 Fast bucks. and free shipping. $75. Burrow.com. That's like Joe Burrow. B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash ham. Check out the site for details. Burrow. B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash ham. $75 off. There you go. All right, Middlecoff. Alden Smith, somebody whose entire career we followed. We've seen every second of it. Niners, Raiders, back again, now a Cowboy. The early reviews, very positive. Mike McCarthy said Alden Smith has been impressive thus far. Dak Prescott called him a monster. So the question is, with Jim Tomsula as his D-line coach, by the way, Jimmy T, is this guy really about to have one of the great comebacks in the history of sports? Here's what is not disputable. Who wins comeback player of the year if he leads the league in sacks? And Alex Smith plays? That's right. Uh, I think you'd give it to Alex. Okay. Right? Because one was self-induced. The other guy, you know, had his leg torn off. All right. Just checking. Yeah. But I, I think that Alden... Here's the thing with, with our boy. Is that I understand what Dak's saying. Because when he gets off the bus... If you're Dak Prescott, right? You played in the SEC. You've been on the Cowboys now for a while. I would say he's probably one of the top five individuals when he just gets off the bus. Obviously, when you're at training camp, you just show up at the facility or whatever. Just walk through the door. When you get you out go, of your Range Rover. Yeah, you go, oh my God, look at that guy. You and I have stood next to him. He is a massive human being. To me, it's his length, right? When you're around Khalil Mack, or Von, I was walked by Von Miller at a joint practice, and my first thought was, it is crazy how good Von Miller is, and he's not that big. Remember when we would go to Niners practices and you'd see, like, Navarro Bowman, right? Yeah, he's not that tall. Alden is humongous. And if he's in good shape, people forget this, but when Jimmy T took over, and it was ugly, uh, the team was, but in training camp, Alden was in phenomenal shape. And I vividly remember going to a practice probably a week before he got arrested and got cut thinking Alden's in the best shape of his life and he's unstoppable. And physically, he's everything every NFL team wants. And if he's cleaned up his life, like his physical skills always translated, right? He's athletic. He's long. He's explosive. He's strong. He's just he's just a natural feel for rushing the passer, right? Like it's like he only got one move. Like no one's ever said that about Alden. It's like he can go in, he can go out, he can run you over. He's just He can just physically do things like a center in basketball right when you you watch a game with someone that doesn't watch basketball and like your wife your mom or whatever I mean your wife understands it but like my mom's like how's it he doesn't even have to jump to get the rebound like yeah mommy seven foot three it's like Alden and some guys that are really long can grab people when they're being blocked like grab the quarterback it's why we love arm length in football it's listen I, I don't know anything about beside what we've read about even changing his life, but it sure feels like people think that he really turned a corner, getting with Jay Glazer, working out, getting rid of alcohol. He is with the guy who does truly believe in him, right? And who saw all of his success as his defensive line coach in Jim Tom Sula. Yeah. That you'd go, if he was ever going to turn it around in a place like Dallas, just say what you want about the Cowboys. Like they do have a pretty high level team. Like a lot of guys like, you know, Jalen Smith on defense. Dak Prescott on offense. All their offensive line guys are very highly thought of. 
They don't have that. It doesn't feel like that many Van Der Esch, screw around type guys. Their coaching staff, Mike McCarthy's a pretty high level guy. And add Jim Tom Sula with them. It actually might be the perfect spot, as crazy as it sounds, the Dallas Cowboys for Alden Smith. I mean, I think it's a great spot. I think a good team is a great spot for him. A team where he doesn't have to, where he's not the focal point, is a great spot for him. Remember, do you think it helps that, like, there's less drama with Jason Garrick on? It's just a new start for everybody. Yeah. And it's just kind of new. Yep, I do. Um, do, So the year that he came, that he went to the Raiders, it was 2015. Were were you doing the Raiders postgame show that year? You were, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. I actually that was the first year you did it because they played Cincinnati week one and got their asses kicked, remember? And, and he uh, played. And he played. And I remember thinking early, he doesn't look ready to be on the football field. Do you remember that discussion? I bring yeah, up they signed, the they signed him on a Friday, he played on a Sunday. But I just yeah, but I but I don't mean just like physical shape. I mean watching him. I remember watching him at the time going, Does he maybe he's just tired, you didn't really know, but I just remember thinking, like, is he into this or not? Like, is he just here because Somebody gave him a shot. Does he really want to be here? Is he totally okay? Like with all with his alcohol issue, you know what I mean? Um, Had a lot going on. Had a there, lot. Yeah, going there was on. a lot going on. Now, by the the reason I bring up your radio stuff is because I don't really quite remember. By the end of that year, had he had gotten better, right? Like, well, one of his deals was he was always really comfortable on like they were moving him and Khalil around, and it was kind of screwing them both up. Right, Alden right. had never been a move guy. He had only played on the one side. Yeah. And Khalil had only played Khalil on the one side. Khalil always played on the left, and Alden always played on the right. And then they were flipping him around. They were kind of changing defense. There was a lot going on. He had some moments just because he's so physically gifted. Remember, he sacked Ben Roethlisberger and knocked Roethlisberger out of the game in a game that Antonio Brown, it's still one of the greatest performances. It's an NFL record. I think it's the most yards from scrimmage for a wide receiver without a touchdown. It was like 297. or It was some astronomical number. He had like 17 catches, 290 yards, but he didn't score a touchdown. But he was – he dominated the game. I think Jarvis Landry threw him like the game-winning pass that led to the game-winning field goal. But Alden did have this big sack on Roethlisberger, yanked him down. Remember, it kind of bent Roethlisberger back and like messed up his ankle or knee, and he kind of like wobbled off the field. So and that was the last we'd ever seen it. Like he hasn't been on a football field since then. That's yeah. crazy to think about. That's a long time ago, guy. That no, was Jack I, Del Rio's first year in Oakland. I know. It's five years ago. That's wild. Five years ago. Um we're coming up on the five year anniversary of that first game as a Raider. So I, I do think it helps with a guy like him too. At the time when Alden was signed with the Raiders, it was one of the biggest NFL stories, right? Because he was one of the better players in the NFL. The Niners had cut him, which was one of the crazier moments of that training camp in the league. And then he signed by the Raiders. It was just a lot going on. Like, he was a main story. Right now, he's, if you had to list, like, NFL stories right now, he's not even, like, a top 50 story. He's not even a top 10 story on his own team, right? New coach, quarterback, CeeDee Lamb. Amari, he's got to put it together. Uh, yeah, I mean, Van Der Esch's neck. Like, maybe he's a top, like, he's probably a fringe he's top. A but that just shows you on his own team, team that... It, yeah, that helps to me. Yeah. You know, he just gets to just kind of fly under the radar, just play, be a grunt with Jim Tom Sula, even though he's not a grunt type player, but just ease into the season. Like I, I think when when he first got signed, we talked about it. If I remember correctly, we're like, you know, will he make the team? Like we did talk about that. that. I feel like he's a, I mean, Stone Cold Lock to make the team right now. <laughs> like just how could you cut that human once you start seeing him play at practice if he's 
doing everything you're asking him to do, and he's showing up on time. And and he's, remember, yeah, there he's were, in shape. There were stuff that came out about the Niners, like him not showing up, and he kind of got the star treatment where he could kind of push the envelope. And part of it was clearly his off-the-field life was in shambles. And you're right. When the Raiders signed him, his life was only getting worse, and they just stopped football, with, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then remember when he got suspended – Del Rio was pissed that it was really unfair that he couldn't be around the team. He's like, you want the, and he was, he kind of had some valid points. Like you want us to like lead a, give a helping hand to these humans. And then even if you're going to suspend him, he's not allowed to come in and just be around us. The only like stability he has in his life. And it clearly took years because it got worse before it got better. Remember they kept him on the roster for like, for what? I mean, he was, he was a quote unquote Raider for another year, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think two. And remember there was an arrest like a year and a half later where the TMZ said Oakland Raider. And they're like, well, he's not even on the team. And it just, he hadn't even hit his low point in 15. I remember reading a quote, maybe the summer of Alden saying, you know, I hit rock bottom and like, late 2018, 2019. So he, he actually has turned around his life within the last calendar year, guy. And you know Jay Glazer's, I think, relationship with a couple coaches in this league, McCarthy, Sean Payton, is legit. Like, I think when they talk to him and he works out with these guys. Because the other thing is Jay's around, like, Andrew Whitworth. Like, train, you know, like, he has other guys that you watch Hard Knocks, you just go, God. Could Andrew Whitworth be like a head coach? You know, just a really. Could he be the commissioner of the league? Like he's just a really high level guy. And I think when you Didn't get Andrew Alden Whitworth around, and uh, Andre Smith dominate the Raiders in Alden's debut. Oh my God! Destroyed him. It didn't. I mean, I think Andrew Whitworth. Uh, Andre Smith killed Khalil Mack, and Alden only played. I think like fifteen snaps. Yeah, he didn't that play game. a ton. But yeah, I mean, I. I'm looking forward to watching Alden Smith. Like that's some a player. Like I, I keep tabs on the Cowboys no matter what now. But I mean that's one. Like, damn, what's Alden doing? No doubt. All right, John. The uh, the story of the internet on Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, I'm already playing it too soon. Tom Brenneman. Now, how did you find out about Tom Brenneman? Because the first thing I saw was, I saw a tweet. I think it was Bomani Jones was like, "Do they have another broadcaster on deck?" That's all I saw, and I'm like. But Monty does this all the time where he'll tweet about something with no context. Only the people that know, know. So then I scrambled. And then pretty quickly I found uh, Tom Brenneman's, the first audio, the transgression. I, I, how I stumbled upon it is Jeff Passan. Yeah, Passan. Tweeted out kind of what happened and quoted what he said with the video. Mm-hmm. And I just pressed played. And uh, and yeah, I was like, whoa. So good. I w- and then and then I immediately saw he still br- was it a double header yesterday? I don't think so because he got removed. I, I don't know. He got removed. During I think the I game. think it was a I think it was a double header, and he kept calling the games. But like then the next not, game, he got removed during the second. He game got then? removed, I think, during the second game. Once it I hit could the be wrong. He okay. got rem- Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was a double header. Okay, so then the apology came. All of you have probably heard the apology by now, but. Let's let's listen to this together. Castellanos to lead things off. Jim Day's going to be taking us the rest of the way through this game. As Holland takes over on the mound. Um, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. 
I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. All right, now, John, at this moment, there's a swing and a drive. And I think this takes it to a whole nother level, don't you think? Play it. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I'm going to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck. For the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that uh, that could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. Jim Day will take you the rest of the way home. And off you went, John. (laughs) Now, as of this recording, I have not heard anybody else go, you know what? I'm going to stand up here. I got I got I got Tom's back because he says, like, hopefully there's some people that back it up. Castellanos is a red, right? Because remember, he's going to be a giant. That's a home team home run right there. Yep. That was I think it would have been one last home run to call would have been a little funnier in a not a funny moment if he did go nuts on the home run. If he just been like, this might be the last one ever. Swing and drive. (laughs) Uh, Goodbye to that baseball and to me. I, I listen. I, I've really changed my tune of people I don't know rooting for people to lose their job on Twitter. And I, I you listen. I I like Beaumont and Jones, though I disagree with a lot of stuff that he tweets. Like he's king of just like crushing guys. Like I, I always struggle with that stuff. I think we all agree. Like most people's reaction, like that's probably fired. I, I just I've changed my tune of just quote tweeting stuff like. He's fucked. Like, I just, we have enough of that. Twitter has that yeah, market cornered. Right. Yeah, I don't feel I need to do that anymore. And I, I don't get, I don't even get joy out of like I once did. I, it sucks. You could hear it in his voice. I don't know if he doesn't know. Nobody knows, but he sure thinks it's a wrap. Like, it's career over, right? Yeah, he and knows. He's basically how t- begging for forgiveness. Not, not basically. He says the word beg. Yeah. Yeah, he is begging. Literally. He's begging for people, basically screaming to the high heavens if anyone's out there, preferably famous people, they can give me some credibility, have my back because I'm done. And it's one thing, as people tweeted me, or I mean texted me, doesn't he call NFL games? Like, yeah, fuck. He does. I mean, he's he was for a while, I think, the number two guy for football. Now... Does Joe Davis call NFL games? Or uh, only at the end of the year. I think he's three for Fox, right? Joe and then Davis. I mean, uh, Buck. Buck. Fox. It was Charles, whoever Charles. Oh, it's Kevin Burkhart. Burkhart, yeah. Good call. But he, so like when the Niner, he, I just feel like I've seen him on a lot of Niner games, guy. Don't, don't you? Well, Kent Summers, who covered the Cardinals, tweeted that he was actually going to be on Niners Cardinals week one. If, let's say this was Joe Buck. I would say it was not over. He's famous enough, enough people like him that he his career would not be over. Would you agree with that? Um it'd be a bigger story. Yeah, I I think it's probably true. I guess one thing you don't know is just internally how who how many advocates does would Joe Buck have? How many advocates would Tom Brenneman have? 
right? Yes. I'd say Joe Buck would have a lot. I think how it gets said, like, are you, how it gets said, is, remember, now, if Kobe had said it today, it's weird to talk about Kobe in this context, um, you know, since he's no longer with us, but. If if like would would the would would the punishment have been worse for Kobe in 2020 than it was in whatever year, or is it the way he said it different than the way Tom Brenneman said it? Yeah, I I, I think what Kobe said at one individual, and you're right, times are way different. What was that, 11 or 12? And the way this guy just said it, I saw a couple of people tweet like that was a really hard f. Yeah, you I know? mean it's just here here's my aggressive. thing, and. You're a play-by-play guy, but you also do this. So, like, your opinions are out there and you're active on Twitter. A lot of play-by-play guys, especially the older generation, for example, if they don't have a talk show, you only know them as broadcaster. And once they go broadcaster and the lights come on, they the way I would describe it a little bit, and you just naturally have to do this, you kind of turn into just a different human a little bit. You, your, your personality comes out, but you just... Most play-by-play guys, like, for example, Kuyper and Kruko, especially, let's just go Dwayne Kuyper, swears, I would imagine, a lot. But you don't ever hear him swear on the air. But you right. say the Dwayne Kuyper you see on the air is pretty close. You and I, you've met him more than me, but I've been around him a little bit. Yeah. Yep. He, Dwayne Kuyper on the air is pretty fucking close to Dwayne Kuyper off the air. It's right. honestly why I think he's so beloved. He just, he feels very authentic. Yes. I do think there is a large percentage of people that do not feel authentic. I'd say one thing Joe Buck, and he's talked a lot about this, as he's become comfortable in his own skin, the Joe Buck you see, and I hear Joe Buck on like podcasts with like Pardon My Team, feels just kind of Joe Bucky. Sure. You know, like, yep, I agree. Where a lot of guys, the older guys, it's what makes Greg Papa, I think, kind of unique, is the guy you hear calling a game, and then once you, especially the early John Lund stuff, you're like, God, this guy's way different than I thought he'd be on air. It's a different person. But if you don't have that outlet, you just view him through that lens that if you've, I don't, I've, beside Tom Brenneman calling, and I guess he's called Major League Baseball games for Fox for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone texted me, he called the Luis Gonzalez game winning hit against the Yankees because Buck was doing something else in 2000. Well, usually when Buck, if Buck's doing something, well, you, when Buck goes uh, baseball late in uh, the playoffs, yeah. Tom, even though he was the number three, I think Tom would be the guy that filled in for Buck on, like it'd be Tom Brenneman and Troy Aikman on the NFL when Buck is doing baseball. I, this, I don't know anything about this human being. Like, I don't know about his character. I don't, I've never read stories about him. You probably know way more about him than me. I do feel like the reaction was just like, oh, whoa, this is like, this guy said that. Not in the sense of people defending him or not defending him, just, it was kind of out of left field because I don't think we know anything about the guy. I but actually don't just, know a ton about him. Um, I mean, I know the basics that everyone knows. I have never talked to anybody like, hey, what's Tom like? I don't. Have you I've ever never, met him? Never met him. Um, How old do you think he is? 60? I'll look it up yeah, as you're talking. Yeah, look it up. I, I mean, his dad, just Marty, who's like the legend in Cincinnati, just retired. So but he's, he's not like 45, right? No, because I got to guess Marty was in his 80s, right? He's got a tough name to spell. Marty's 78, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess... He's 56. Okay. So, 
So as a broadcaster, he's still probably thinking he's got another decade plus going strong, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Tw- I, I would think you would think I could do local baseball still for another 20 years. You think he lives in Cincinnati, if you had to guess? I assume so. Yeah, wouldn't you imagine he's a member at the nicest country club there? Like, he's a big part of the community. Um, the, the part that I don't get, when I first saw the clip, what I thought was that he had said it off air. Clearly, he thought he was off air. But I thought he said that off air. Somebody in the TV truck was like, you know what? I've had enough of this. Took a video of him saying it in the TV truck and released it somehow. Like, this guy needs to be exposed. That's what I thought had happened initially. Then it turned out that's not what happened. He was just on the air and didn't know he was on the air. The part that's crazy to me is, like, when you talk off the air, usually... I don't know what they're set up. Can you explain this to people? Because I don't think a lot of people understand how many people are associated like with headsets. So maybe there are, like, there's different setups you could have. Maybe his setup is, all right, the basics are there's a TV truck out in the parking lot, right? At the bottom of the stadium. And when you talk, there is a producer. Or a, there are at least, I don't know how big their crew is, but I would say at a minimum level, if you're if you're talking to the whole truck, there's... 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 people that can hear you during a commercial break going like, oh, my God, that, that dinner last night fucked me up, right? When you say that during the break, there might be 15 people that can hear you say that. Yeah. Maybe more, honestly. Now, there's other things. Maybe they have a setup where he hits a button that is only supposed to go to the producer's ear, but sometimes they have it set up where instead of the producer just getting it in his ear, there's just a speaker in the truck, and it goes through the speaker. So not everyone has you in the headset, but everyone would hear you in the speaker. The point is, when you have your headset on, you have to assume that 10 people are hearing what you're saying. At minimum, six or seven, right? Depending on what they're, maybe it's a local broadcast, it's more, I don't know. But the point is, there's a truck, several people are in the truck, generally everyone can hear what you're saying in that truck. So in other words, even if he's not on the air, the odds of somebody in the truck being offended by that, I would think is pretty high. And I'm, even I'm if no get... one's offended by it, somebody in the truck going, wait a second, are, are we all talking like that or just him? Are you guys? Cool? I, 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 I got to give Guy Haberman some credit here. A couple times when I worked with you on Comcast stuff, typically between commercials, if it was me, Kawakami, or whoever there, and you hosting, or even on the panel, they would start bullshitting. And sometimes it could just, not cross lines, but just say things that if you don't know who's listening, you are not comfortable saying it. You usually went quiet. You just would not interact. Yeah. And it was clearly you understood that Pavlos, who was the producer at the time, there are potentially three or four other people back there with them that are listening. You just do not know. So it's one thing to have the direct conversation with the producer who you know are comfortable with that you can have personal conversations that wouldn't cross the line if just stays between you two. And I'm not even talking about words that are inappropriate, just conversations about other humans, right? Right. Just like, God, did you see this fucking, uh, you know, I'm just going to use a guy that we like, Greg Papa. You just start talking shit about Greg Papa or whatever, whoever the guy is. You'd say quiet, and I think one thing we've learned the last several years with social media, it's gotten a lot of people, it's ruined people's careers. Now, they, I mean, you're using that word on top of the mics on, like the guy, like you, you, you're using a gay slur, 
like in 2020, like, bro, you're you're a fucking moron. Well, somebody texted me. They're like, wait, I thought that word. I thought people stopped saying that like 2005. I was like, well, no, they, they didn't, right? Obviously, but like, yeah, I mean, you're you're good at that, and I I think I've thought about that. Not that I'm in that many situations like that since, but you just got to be cognizant of. And I think some of these guys, and it's just human nature, right? If you do it every day, you just become comfortable in your environment. You I, always told me that it's easy to become comfortable because it is because you yeah. just you don't even think about it. And it's one thing to tweet something stupid like you do know it's just between you and your keyboard when you're talking in that situation. Like how he, he's been broadcasting now since the late '80s. Like he's honestly that might work against him in the sense of he probably didn't even he doesn't even realize. But I I, I Tom, you don't get to and no one believes you like. The first thing he apologized to, and I understand it, but it's not going to play well as the people that sign his checks. Well, see, I, he irony. did say like, real quick, though. He did say at first to anyone I offended. Then he goes, when he does the apology again, he goes to the people who sign his checks. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw some pushback like anyone you offended. Like, you offend a lot of people that weren't even part of the category that you're talking about. Well, how about, about you didn't offend people? How about the people who aren't like, oh, like me, right? I'm, I don't. I'm not personally offended by that. I'm not hurt by it other than. Dude, what is wrong with you? Like, don't we? The odds that you are going to offend somebody, and it's reasonable for them to be offended by that, is really high. I don't have to be gay to go, dude. That no, you can't say that, and not you can't say that because you Twitter won't let you say it, but because what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, well, that, that's like why it doesn't need I to hit the air. To- Somebody in the truck who you work with, who who well, whose well, job it is to make you look good. Well, t- see, to me, guy, I-, I would imagine just on air, and again, I-, I don't, I haven't watched them that much. Most people just thought, oh, Tom Brenneman, the son of a Brenneman, like just high level guy, broadcaster. I would imagine he's nothing like what we see on TV. And to me, I- my personal pet peeve in life, I hate frauds, I hate hypocrites. And I just think he's part of that old school gen. Like my parents love those TV stars that wouldn't, are just assholes to you. And I'm not saying there still aren't. But they were just fake for the bright lights, and then they were something different. And I actually think what's really in, and I saw Erica Nardini of Barstool thinks that being authentic has never meant more, and I really truly believe that because I actually think you can be but John, authentic. That ship has sailed. Like there, there, like there's no doubt that that's the case. Well, one hundred percent. But I, I, I think what exposed this guy without just being a complete idiot is I don't think the Tom Brenneman you knew if you were like a Reds fan is any if you don't know him like play golf you have no clue what he's actually like none. I mean, none. And maybe I'm wrong, right? But I, I, I think it's pretty clear, like, the guy he portrayed himself as is nothing like he's like in... Now, he did go... Uh, what's uh, Brock Meyer, who I think the first episode of the show gets fired for saying fuck on air and keeps calling the game as he's apologizing. So he did... Like, that, to me, was part of what made it go so viral. People couldn't believe he did the apology... As he called a home run. Incredible. As he called a home run. Like it that is just like uh art imitating life or life imitating no, art. That's right. Whatever. Life <laughs> you know, imitating that's... art. But again, it's perfect for a show that was built around a guy that I think kind of symbolized a human being being like acting different than he actually was as a broadcaster. By that's the way, if, the he, said the, so if he said the word fuck, he wouldn't have had to even leave the broadcast that night. Right. That's the What do you I- think would have happened if he would have said the word fuck? He would have apologized. Just, maybe I mean, maybe they maybe they take him off for a day, but I doubt it. 
I think I read a story that his first weekend ever broadcasting when he was young, he did a Kentucky game, and he said something on the air, like, I could kick his ass, or something like that, playing around with his producer. It got broadcast in, like, 88 on, like, a Dish network. Okay. And, like, three people in Florida that were watching the game said something, or, like, send a note or called the station. (laughs) Yeah, or, okay, to the station. Yeah, and I guess the boss came to him the next day and made him write apology letters, like handwritten notes to yeah, them. Yeah. This is from like 80... It was like a famous story that he had. <laughs> and maybe he learned his lesson really hard, so he's always cognizant of... Again, I, I think he's a complete different human on and off the air, and I just... But see, I, I only like I think those I, people. Yeah, I, I do think you can kind of... Now, you can't tell, does somebody cuss a lot? Does somebody... I don't even, what are I don't even mean... Sw- I don't even mean swearing. Yeah, I have I, I, felt I mean like, more like... I do think there is are. Is there a chance things. he treats people that can't help him bad or something? Like Ellen sure. DeGeneres, look at her. But I, do, I thought Ellen DeGeneres I, was the greatest human alive, well, and turns out knows? she's mean. I, I guess I do know this. Like I do think you can identify some qualities in people, even from their guarded. I, I think if you're kind of a pompous piece of shit, it, uh, arrogance is really hard to hide. I'll say that you can be a piece of shit and you can hide that. Arrogance is hard to hide. When you're brought in, even for broadcasters, because the stuff that makes it obvious that you're arrogant is the stuff that you do. You're arrogant, so you talk about you. You you make it about you. Um, I agree. Now again, that's different, right? You're not saying you're saying why well, you have no idea if somebody's a a racist or a sexist or a, you have no idea when you watch them call a game. Except sometimes they give, if you watch somebody, you give you little hints about maybe not always. Um. But yeah, I threw over. Uh, if you had to guess right now, does he get fired? That, from my first reaction was yeah. yeah now, kind of. That's not me going like it's what needs to. Ha-. I don't even know. Other than, again, even if that wasn't on the air, like was somebody in the somebody going to say, dude? Again, let's say it's not on the air. Is does somebody come forward to go behind the scenes, not make it public? Hey Tom, you need to apologize to everybody who heard you say that. In the truck, I, because I do think there's... Well, guy, where I push back is he lives in the Midwest. I, I do think vernaculars of stuff that Okay, are that means that somebody, different. the odds that somebody is biting their tongue, even though they are offended, would be 100%. Because I think it is so easy for on-air people to just come off like complete jackasses to the people they work with. and Because you have to understand, you're the person on the air. Everybody working on that show is trying to do their best. And whether they hate you or not, if they want to put the best thing on the air, then they have to help you look good because you're on the you are you are physically on the air, right? So I can hate John. I'm the producer, but if I want my show to look good, I have to make John look good. There's nothing I can do about that, right? So well, that creates a rub where like you better appreciate that fact that there are a lot of people behind the scenes whose job it is to make the show look good. And to make the show look good by proxy, they have to make you look good, even if they hate you. So don't be a piece of shit. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't be a prick, because I know this. When I meet somebody who's like a producer for another broadcaster, the f- you know, like, oh, you work Fox Games with so-and-so. What's that guy like? Is what she like? Is the It's like we talk about, I've had full dinners that are just, what's that guy like, right? And you're like, oh, it's well, a piece of shit. You know? I, I, say it all the, I say it all the time. I, last year, I went to Colin's show, and I went early. just to, I wanted to watch how they got ready for the show. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that he shows up like he's there at like five thirty in the morning. I can't imagine many people of his stature would still be doing that. 
but just how he treats John Goulet, Greg Tui. I mean, the guys that are just his producers and just kind of like his grunts of the show doing a lot of the legwork. And there are just there are other people in that room that I don't even know the name of that are doing like kind of their work. He knows other names and just the way he treats them where you just go, I don't just hearing stories. I don't know, you know, Dave Letterman and all these famous people in showbiz or whatever. But I don't think this is totally normal. And then I saw it again at the Super Bowl. Like he is just really, really nice to a lot of his guys. Like he just treats them like equals. And it's just like, whoa. I mean, it's, it's actually inspiring because you just hear all these stories. Again, he's like one of the only famous people I know in the sense of like, I, I don't know these. But you read enough stories of the Allens and stuff that clearly, and just historically in television production, I'd say it's pretty hit or miss, right? Just the more famous you get, the bigger ego get, the bigger your money gets. For sure. Tre- and- it's easier. I also think when and, the, you and those with, people just naturally kind of kiss your ass. Uh, yeah, and I also think when you work with forty people, the odds that somebody doesn't like you are pretty high, even if you're generally a good person. Yeah, right? and I'm not even talking whether they like you or not, but just you just watch from the outside how they treat people, and it's like, well, if they don't like you, that's up to them. But I'm seeing this guy treats these people for, pretty for nice. sure. I'm just saying, I don't know how the, there had to be if there had to be people on that broadcast who go, I guarantee somebody said something to somebody like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. It was a matter of time, right? Something like that. Well, guy, guy, there might have been twenty people, you know, or hundred people. That now, have been if it's not, if if, if everybody's like, I can't believe that happened. It's so out of character. Then maybe they'll say something, and and maybe that, maybe that will save them, right? If it truly is like so out of character, um, but I don't know. I th- this is where though, to to my last thought on this. Don't know this guy from Adam. Beside, like when he calls a game know nothing about him. If there are people that know him and really like him and like really have his back in the day and days of social media, it's, it's kind of frowned upon to like get the guy's back in these type situations. I saw it takes somebody with a lot of credibility built up. Yeah. I follow Kevin Hart on Instagram and probably with a month ago, he came out with this long thing, getting Ellen's back and everyone was like, just crushed him. And in fairness, like I, I the cross my mind is like, you know, Kevin, the knock was not her tweet treating like people like you or The Rock or any famous person that came by. Like that's not what this is about. It was and, and he and I just think he probably thinks like she probably helped his career. Absolutely. You know, he you know, and I don't even blame him for saying that, but people were pissed. <laughs> and then he just But luckily you, but for Kevin Hart, he's in a position where he doesn't have to care. Right, if people are well, no, he, got, he stopped caring a couple years ago. Remember when they wanted to apologize to host of the Oscars, and he's just like, "Listen, I fucking said my apology. Fuck you." And I, I do appreciate that. After a while, like once you say the apology, and his was different. I can't even remember exactly what it was on. I think it was a joke, right? Yeah, he but it was again. It was it was uh, had he made it an anti-gay joke in the past, and then had and then apo- he had since apologized for it. But wasn't it something similar to that? I don't exactly remember. Yeah, and part of his is like the comedy thing. It's like yeah, it's, it's a different conversation. I don't think it falls like. I think it's a different category too. Yeah, doesn't mean it doesn't warrant cr- apologies in some situations, but you know, yeah, this is one of those where it's like, yes, the only option is to apologize and then pray yeah, that people if, believe if you Kevin, and that your body of work is. If what Kevin you Hart, say it if is. Kevin Hart never wanted to apologize for a joke, it would be understandable, right? He does not in his mind. Like if he's like, I don't, I'm not apologizing for a joke. I'd be like, yeah, it's just fucking. Yeah, hey, the other thing is right part of you know, I don't. How well do we know Kevin Hart? You would say a lot more of his res, his just his resume is out there in a different way, right? People definitely yeah. feel like they know him in a way that 
maybe local Reds fans would say they feel like they know Tom. I don't know. That's you know you've been a broadcaster long enough. Your local fans probably feel that way. I just but. think in in general, just with famous people, for example, like an Ellen, and we've seen it before with athletes. It's like you think you know them, yeah, but you don't really know them. It's sure. it's weird, right? Where I think like. It's, it's why really people like, let's just for example say like a Bill Parcells, who just gives you all of him, or Gruden, you're just like, this guy just is what he is. I think it's why McVay kind of resonates. You're like, I think McVay's just like McVay 24-7. And, and honestly, we might be wrong. I don't, I don't know. But everyone I know that like knows McVay likes him and says he acts just like that. Same thing with Gruden. Everyone's like, God, I thought it was kind of a show, and then I fucking worked for him for the first year with the Raiders. And it's like, God, he's the same guy every day. He's nuts. Right, certain guys are just like they are, and I think sometimes don't you feel we get a better feel for coaches a lot of times than players? Like what we see with the coach is actually who the coach is. A lot of yeah, times, I mean, I think the players, players just have uh, coaches have to talk so much more and have to deal with you know part of what we judge coaches on is how they manage a bunch of people. Yeah, so it's hard how to they hide manage your situations. Action. Like players, the only thing they have to answer for is themselves and play. Yeah, just show up, play, and go home. So, yeah, I, I don't think are there. Do you think there's any coaches? Well, I'm Jimmy sure Butler there are. Just die. Sure, I'm sure there are coaches who are like, God, that guy's probably great to play for, and no one likes playing for him. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. right. Those guys exist. That happens too. I mean, that, I, I'd say. In, the fact is, you really don't. You know, you. Do you feel we know Nick Saban pretty well now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought the most I, telling thing that I've ever learned about Nick Saban was when, was it the, the Saban-Belichick thing? When his son was asked for a quote on Saban. In the, do you remember in the doc? His son gives a, an answer about something. He's like, no, no, no. Let me, he was basically like, let me re-say that. You know, like, I was like, whoa. Clearly, what I think Nick yeah. is, is what Nick is. Because his son I, wants a second shot at a quote about him. What, what I, I would imagine at home, the Nick Saban home life is way more intense than the Belichick home life, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that Bill, and clearly, right, he boats, it goes to Nantucket, can chill a little bit more than Nick. I, I, I think it's fair to say there's not much of an off switch for sure, Nick Saban. Sure, and some of that is ju- you just judge little things that are even nonverbal, right? Nick's always got his shirt tucked in. He wears a suit for the spring game, right? <laughs> just things that you're like, I bet there's a little more discipline when it comes to you know, you come yeah. sit down at this table, you wash the dishes yeah. after dinner. <laughs> Wait, like Nick looks at you, are you eating three eggs? You should only have two. Like, Jesus Christ. You know, which isn't, you're right. It's an intense environment. Anyway, so, yeah. Someone told me a story once. What's that guy Saban? like is just an all-time question to ask somebody, I, right? I agree. They said the maddest I've ever seen Saban was he was so mad at an assistant coach and he stormed into the other coach's office and he said, the first thing I noticed, I knew that he was on one, is he didn't have his shoes on. Like, he was in his office changing, and he never sh- – because his image is everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's always dressed. He showers before he talks to someone. But he was so fucking pissed, he just stormed in. It's like, Pat Hill guy, when I work for Pat Hill, every day he doesn't have his shoes on. Andy Reid wore fucking rainbow sandals. Andy Reid wore sandals every day in the office, right? When he's just in there working and, yeah. like, non – like, he just – Andy is what you see, right? Very easygoing, Tommy Bahama, California guy. He's intense, but he's also chill. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love playing. What's he really like, guy? Like that's, that's fun. I get the question, like, what's Middlecoff like? Right? I get that question. Yeah. Where's Middlecoff? You know, it's just you just when you know somebody knows somebody who you're interested in, you just 
What's up with that guy? You should just be like complete fraud, all in act. Yeah. Could get just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Can't stand him. When I you see me laughing on on the podcast, it's total fake. Yeah. Qu- questionable human. <laughs> uh, before we move on, John, let's tell the people about LinkedIn. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that does not ever, 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 ever change is having the right people on your team is absolutely critical. That's why right now you got to post your job at linkedin.com slash ham. LinkedIn.com slash ham. Here's the key, guy. Whenever you're looking for people to hire, what's the hardest part? Finding those people. Where do I go? Well, LinkedIn just happens to have, I don't know, 690 million users. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably in America. I, have you ever met any human that's not on LinkedIn? I don't know one person. No. In you're fact, on LinkedIn. John, I'm on LinkedIn. According to sources, I've been getting a lot of views lately. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I Sometimes I think about the premium when it says... 18 people have viewed at you. I'm like, I wonder who's viewing me. They're just trying to get me to buy. <laughs> LinkedIn.com slash ham. Get yourself uh, $50 off your first job post, right? And you can pay as you go. It, it searches for people with the hard and soft skills. It's uh, it's an incredible tool. I highly recommend it. So does Haberman. Get on it. Do it now. LinkedIn.com slash ham. 50 bucks off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. John, we made history the other day. Uh, on our YouTube channel, by far and away, our most disliked video in our brief YouTube history was the video entitled, Joe Burrow seen running for his life, is the Bengals quarterback screwed? Did we troll or did we truly not think about it long enough to realize it might have been a scramble drill? Well, I think it was one of those things where if, if that was like a podcast topic, or a radio topic, it's just kind of funny. Like just, but in a YouTube, it's like, all right, I'm coming to YouTube for somebody to tell me something about something, answer me a question about how good Joe Burrow is going to be, and it doesn't play as well on YouTube if you don't say either one of two things: one, it's a drill, we're just having fun with it, or two, uh, no, that's the only thing you can say is it's a drill and we're just having fun with it. So yeah. I, my, I, I don't we, think I, we were we were kind of shitting on the Bengals. We were shitting on the Bengals. Who day nation? They did the, go. They they didn't win two games last year. They did win two games. Well, so here's so who day who day nation was pissed, but they did win two games. So a lot of the comments for people who didn't see that YouTube was, "Do you idiots not know that that was a drill?" And I would say this: our answer is probably two part. One, these two idiots did not know that was a drill. Part of it was we didn't stop to think about it for very long. Our lesson is learned. Two. So I actually got three things. Two, part of that video was there's all this stuff on Twitter of like guys getting pushed over or burning a cornerback. Camp videos are all BS, right? That was part of that video. Part of, part of the premise of that video was a lot of shit that happens in camp is a joke. And three, we do think he's out for a tough year this year. Regardless read, of that video. Can, can I read some comments? Because they please, are kind of funny. Please. Why do people think it's okay to speak on things like this? When they have no idea what they're talking about, dot, 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 this is a scramble drill. Not terrible. It's a scramble drill. And this guy called TJ Watt, Derek Watt, didn't even know Miles Garrett's name. I don't remember that, but I guess it's true. They didn't think this wasn't a drill, right? Tell me these guys are in on it. No, we weren't in on it. You ever heard of the scramble drill question? That's why you see no offensive line. Bengals O-line, probably not good. But hey, today, Bengals starting guard, Pancake Geno Atkins. 
That's a, see, that's a good comment. We, they might not be good, but this is not the example that they're not good, morons. This guy, dot, 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 desperate for content, laughy emoji. Burrow has been flawless in training camp and was his best off the script and will continue to do so at the next level. Some guys are just dogs, and Burrow's a dog. He's got the number one overall tackle from 19 protecting his blind side, so simmer down. I, you know what I like about that? Instead of tearing us down, lifting up Joe Burrow. I like this one. While this is clearly a scramble drill, I can't shake the feeling that with a revolving door at O-line, this is the type of scrambling will become the norm. I agree. Okay. That's probably where we fall, right? Yes. A lot of it's a scramble drill. A lot of you guys are trolling. Has to be a joke, right? Guys, the drill they're running, the joke is on you, morons. Scramble drill, idiots. They are called the Bungles for a reason, LMAO. So a lot of shit talking, which I enjoyed. We have no problem with shit talking. We welcome it. We, but we don't like being wrong, but we also, if we are wrong, we'll say we're wrong. And we, we take a lot of shots at people, so we're also fair game. Especially if this is an easy one. This isn't. Now, I, but again, I'll go back to this, using an orange pen as a subtle apology to Bengal Nation. Uh, we still think they're in trouble. Well, yeah, guy. I mean, their their team stinks. They went two. They had two wins last year for a reason. Their coach, I, you know, I I just don't know enough about to feel good about. He was a major stretch when they hired him. He did nothing last year to make you feel good. Now, there here's a fact: if Joe Burrow is the next, not even just the next, if he is legit future star in the NFL, they won't be bad long, right? Did you see the video? Yesterday, the Chiefs tweeted it of Mahomes in practice. Yeah, I did. Because I saw, for a was pre- it Daniel Jeremiah? Somebody, or Dustin Fox tweeted like, this is not normal. Like, even for a training camp drill, that, would you agree that video is absurd? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, for people who didn't see it, he turns, runs across, his, running away from his throwing arm side. So he's running left, and like across his body, does just well, he does like a three sixty? He rolls the the to his yeah to the opposite side, throws against his body, absolute strike. What would you guess? Fifty yards down the field to just some chief running four two forty, just you know, just flying down. The DB's hauling ass and seven yards behind, and it just and I'm not saying Joe Burrow is going to be that, but if he is just an elite player, in, in all fairness, the Bengals will be fine, but. I, I, there's a chance, like, I've seen some scramble drills. You don't send 17 people after him, right? T- to me, that felt like why we went all in on it, like a team drill, right? Because a scramble drill is like two people running after you. Not, they're literally, you counted six black jerseys. Like, that's that's not a scramble drill, that's a jailbreak. What kind of drills are they running? Now, you could argue Zach Taylor might say, we're trying to up the scramble drill, I'd say the one thing I feel pretty good about watching Joe Burrow at LSU, right, is like scrambling is something he's pretty good at. Like just making like to me, I I just try to learn the basic premise of the offense. Let's just let's just nail down the off. Like he can off script. Wouldn't you say that Joe Burrow is one of the greatest off script quarterbacks we've ever seen in college football history? Of just scrambling around, throwing it. He made some of the most yeah, remarkable I mean, plays I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, like Mike Vick comes to mind. John, uh, Johnny Football had some moments. Johnny Manziel might be number one. Yeah. John, I'm watching a drill right now. Uh, 
from <laughs> there was no defensive line, but the offensive line was there. This was, uh, I guess, on uh, Thursday they they aired a bunch of his drills live on TV. So and, and another, in all seriousness, hmm. read some highlights that he has been remarkable. Now we've talked about several topics. Now I have yet to read a, a headline on Twitter, on Rotor World, anything people forward me that has been, you know what. Our first round pick sucks. Everything has been over the top, and and where the pushback is, there isn't any because the media, their access has been kind of limited. So it's not, it's not state run propaganda right now. Mm. But is it fair to say it kind of is? Well, did the Burma video say- come from a hole in the fence? Why did that video look like it was shot from like <laughs> three hundred yards away through a a, a, a rifle scope? I, I, listen, I don't know where you stand. I'm a pro Joe Burrow guy. Pro Joe Burrow. I, I, you know this. Go watch the video we made. We love Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, I mean, like the Joe other Burrow. while ago we made a Joe Burrow video. I think Bagel fans, and it was a lot of Who Day pictures in their avatars, thought we were shitting on the Bengals. And I, and I, I think Bengals fans, I think Raider fans, I think Browns fans, Jags fans, they don't exist, get very, very sensitive when it feels like you're always shitting on. Like, you notice who never gets mad is like Alabama fans. Or like Patriot fans, like yeah, we're just kicking your ass. Yeah. Even like Steeler or Packer fans is pretty confident in their group. Uh, it, there is something like when you've been kicked for a while, you just sometimes you got to kick back. Hey, and, and yeah, we were not trolling. We might have made a mistake. I, I like Joe. I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. The irony of that video is we made it in part because we were laughing. You and I were just making fun of all these videos that get tweeted out, right? Like look at Chase Young dominating offensive lineman in a four point stance. When does that happen? Look at these cornerbacks getting beat with no safety help of course they're getting beat well do you, you see but the david that Arnett video seriously for whatever reason david Arnett because video. we wanted to john i, I have to yeah i, I, I want, want to I, I, I wanted to i wanted to believe joe burrow's gonna be running for his life there's a david arnett video damon of people uh damon arnett excuse me not david arquette of of he ran slow at the combine yeah. i think like four five six and everyone said he's faster than that and so yesterday in one-on-ones against Rugs, people were like, look at this. And if you watch the video, he's got his arm around him the whole time. So he's kind of going with him. Like that's that's a flag in my opinion. And I don't blame him for putting his arm around him because even if Arnett is legitimately a mid-4-4 guy, and I think it's fair to say people question the pick, I, me too, just based on what I'd heard with people in the league. And I think one of the questions was, unlike Burrow, who was flawless off the field and then unreal on the field, there's some question marks with him on the field. This guy started at Ohio State at a, at a, at a program right now that's producing elite DB year after year after year after year. I heard Todd McShay at the uh, on Rosillo's podcast say, one of the biggest guys that is going to miss this year for Ohio State is the, the next corner in line, like the next... Mm. You know, every year they've had two, two or three guys that get drafted, and then the guy behind him is like a sophomore, junior, and he has one big year, and then he goes pro. That guy doesn't even get to play this year. I, I forget his name, but you do have to just take like these. There aren't you're not throwing flags, and these you, you get to be. It gets to be a little backyard football, just in just in general in some of these things, one on one situations. To me, the Burrow thing was, yes, us making fun of their offensive line, which was pretty terrible last year. Well, yeah, right? that part was of it was, we, if I'm examining why we allowed ourselves to do that, because we wanted to make fun, yes. right? Deserve to be called out for it. We will always be here and accountable, John. You can find us on I, YouTube. 
I'd say this though, guy. Hmm. Have you been? Maybe it was a couple years ago with Baker, Darnold, Allen. I'm actually more intrigued by these three guys: Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. Maybe I'm a little more invested. Like I watched so much of Burrow. I've been watching Herbert for two years. Tua's the most hyped Bama quarterback yeah. of our lifetime. I, I'm just really vet. Like I have vested interest in just watching the. I want to watch these guys play. Well, I think the perception of these three guys is that their ceilings are higher than those guys were coming in. Like I think Darnold was one of those guys NFL people loved, but I don't know that the average fan was like oh, kind of. But I, I think there were some people in the NFL that were actually not as well, that, high on. That's them. I'm just saying. It felt like most of his love came from just in the league. I don't know if the average fan, like if you watched SC, you wouldn't have been like generational quarterback. Well, guy, there'd be SC games when I'd just be getting texts from friends, be like, Middlecoff, you're telling me this guy's the number one overall pick in the draft because he, he threw a bunch of picks. And I think people, like Baker, all the talk about Baker was, is he tall enough, right? Yeah. And then Kyler. And Josh Allen and, was like, Josh Allen was like, can a guy with 38% accuracy be a good NFL right. quarterback? This group. And Lamar, and Lamar couldn't throw in college, really. But he wasn't even part of that discussion. No, he wasn't. At that point in time. Like, we're talking about like the, dra- the top of the draft guys. I think all people view these three guys can be like, 10-year NFL starting quarterbacks and be well, good. Well, Tua right? was the first-round pick three, two years ago, three years ago, the first yeah. overall pick for two years. Bro had the greatest thought. season we've ever seen. And Herbert is is a physical freak and played at Oregon. Yeah, and on the, the latest hard knocks, they just a couple of slow motions. to do with it, but we've been talking but about I'm, Herbert because Herbert was like, was he going to come out? This is part of Herbert, right? Is everyone had prepared for him to come out a year ago. Did Herbert replace Mariota? Uh, no. I think was, there was... Oh, it was the it was the little guy from uh, Eastern Washington, um, the grad transfer. Well, there was Dakota Prukop and slash that guy who hurt his hand, missed the throw yeah. in the Michigan State game. Vernon Adams, yeah, Vernon Davis, Adams. Vernon Adams, Vernon Adams, Vernon Adams. So okay. th- there was a one, there was a one year gap year between Herbert, yeah. right? And then Herbert won the job as a true freshman, right? But they, there was a couple slow motions in the hard knocks. And even Anthony Lynn was like, whoa, this guy's got a big arm. <laughs> right? It's just, whew. He, I mean, he's got a huge arm. And he's huge. We'll talk I, more about Joe Burrow, John. I'm, I'm excited That's to watch these three quarterbacks and too. Joe Burrow, Bengals fans. So I'm not, I'm not anti-Joe Burrow. The video was funny. If you can't laugh at yourself a little bit, right, you got to be able to laugh at yourself I a guess. little bit. John, let's talk a little food real quick. Thank you to uh, Matt from Pink Onion. Don't forget about Pink Onion. Go order the ham pod pizza there. DM me and said. Who do I need to send pizzas to uh, for you to call the Niner Middle game? Middlecoff. For you to call the Niner game? Yep, Middlecoff. Definitely send Middlecoff. I actually, you know what's funny is I was talking to somebody last week who did not know about the ham pod pizza, but was just telling me about how they had just gone to Pink Onion and their neighbors had just gone to Pink Onion and loved it. Place is so, blowing up, guy. And the pi- I keep seeing pot people talking about their pasta, but the ham pod pizza. Go get that. Uh, okay, this... Food. This was not the one I was looking for the other day, but we'll take it. Uh, Red Boy Pizza in Novato. Ask for Marcelo. Tell him Aram sent you. Now, that's what Aram DM'd me. So I don't know if he meant that for everybody, but no. Everybody go to Red Boy. You can eat Red Boy and Pink Onion, you know. People everywhere. Novato, John, Red Boy Pizza. Ask for Marcelo. Let me do a little Red Boy Pizza here uh, review. On, uh, on the internet. By the way, while I'm doing that, just tell the people what we're doing here about this. D- doing what? Just this. Local restaurant love, John. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we are... We're here for you. 
And we love food, and we want everyone to shoot us DMs of your favorite restaurants. Obviously, if you own a restaurant or run a restaurant, like our friends at Pink Onion, like our friends at Kinder's, uh, it's easy for you guys to reach out. But even if you just have a spot that you really, really like, fire us DMs. Preferably include us both on the Instagram DMs. It's easier to keep track of that. It stands yeah, out a little more helpful. in my DMs. Yep. Yeah, it, it's really, really helpful. But if you A could, lot of people have started that, group DMing us. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's, it, it's easier. And it's, it, it really does stand out because you can't imagine the dumb DMs. And again, I mean that in a positive way that you just, a lot just gets in there. Well, I mean, I, I'll be talking about like the backup right tackle or what do you think of James Wiseman or, you know, Middlecoff. I love those shoes. Just, I mean, we just interact like men interact. We talk about dumb shit. So it just gets lost. And I got it, it most DMs. Like I am the complete, actually, I wouldn't be the complete opposite of just some Instagram babe. Because I'm just full of dudes. My only Instagram guys are just dudes to ask me dude. So you are questions. like an, I get, you don't think that's what yeah, what IG? I, no, I am. I, at first, I said I was going to say the opposite. I'm yeah, actually same. just like them. Yep. They're not asking to sleep with me. They're just asking me about like golf, football, food, maybe Draft just kings, a, ease. Yeah, a re, yeah. Response to a story. Uh, you know, <laughs> propping up the ego. Middle coffee, you're the man. Which I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I can never get enough of. Uh, Will, Will DM me, he said, by the way, note on Miles Teller, who you guys were talking about on the last podcast, the actor, highly recommend Thank You for Your Service. Great movie. I've never seen it. I haven't either, but we mentioned it when we were going through his, uh, his movie. Had, you, had you seen Whiplash? I have not seen Whiplash, no. Because I, you know, it was one of those where everyone's like, you got to see Whiplash. I never did, and now it, no one says to me, you got to see Whiplash anymore. So I just I avoided it's, that one. it's just one of those, if it's a random night, it's, it's probably worth it. Oh peeking at you know all right on that note adios let's see what happens to DraftKings tomorrow please god tony fino when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.